0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in net. I'm Sean Claybill, your host, and with me today are one co-host, right? Why Sean. Hey, why? And our other co-host is actually our guest today, Caleb Wells.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> Cause I because I was like, I was like, it's like, are we playing a game here? We'll um, a game. Of course we I'm are. not I'm not sure if I'm comfortable being a guest. <laughs> 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 I'm not used to being on this side of things. <laughs> You're uh, multi-role today. Oh, okay. I can do that. I can ask myself questions and answer them. <laughs> that, that doesn't make me crazy, right?
0: Well, <laughs> depends on which dictionary you use, I guess. Mm,
1: yeah, I'm crazy. That's okay. I'm all right with it. I can I can live with that
2: that <laughs> that label. When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire. They're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com.
0: So Caleb, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us your, all about you and
2: okay. yeah. that. so for those of you who
1: don't know, my name is Caleb Wells. I'm <laughs> I think in this episode, right? This is gonna be another panelist episode because we know you love to hear our voices, whether we have a guest or not. And we want to talk a little bit about pair programming, right? And I think it's something that we've all done in the past. I'm starting to do it more in my current role as a front-end architect. And right there are positives and negatives, pros and cons, things you got to get over when you're doing this kind of stuff. So we figured we would dig in a little bit and let you know how we deal with pair programming in our dev worlds. So what experience yeah. do you have
0: uh, you know, with pair programming? How much, how right. much have you
1: done? And, you know, I've done like three hours of pair programming. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Was it by yourself? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> well, because because I talk to myself and I answer, I guess that counts as, as a fair. <laughs> no, I've, right. I have done par- pair programming in, in previous jobs. And I don't know about y'all, but typically, you know, when I'm pair programming with someone, it's for a few hours at a time, you know, two or three, probably at most. Um, I think... After that, my brain starts to hurt a little bit, right? Because you're kind of multitasking, right? Especially if you're the driver, if you're the one who's typing the code and actually working in the IDE, right? But I'm starting to do this kind of on a daily basis in my current job for, for at least an hour. So doing some of it with some of the senior devs on our team, working through some some big logic issues in some of our code, right? And, and we need that extra brain power to figure out what the heck's going on. And then on the opposite side, we have some junior developers who are very green, so to speak, smart people, but right, they're they're just learning their way through development. And so we want to make sure that they build healthy habits, right? And patterns and and following the way you Microsoft does MVC or the way you write a Blazor app. So I'm also doing some pair programming there where the junior developers driving and I'm giving them direction or I'm giving them extra input or I'm filling in the gaps where they, they may happen. What about y'all? What's your experience with pair programming?
3: Do you guys find it more that you've been doing it more during um during I guess remote? I guess you've always worked remote, Caleb, so well, no question for you, but I found that yeah, since since everyone's been working remotely, we've been doing that a bit more for some reason. So, mm, yeah, I
1: mean,
3: it is—it is, is actually pretty exhausting to, to be honest to pair programming. And I think it might just be because you don't really kind of—it's just hard to just have that break. You know, sometimes occasionally you kind of just go, "Okay, I'm just gonna you know, just mm-hmm. just kind of maybe quickly do something else for for a bit." But you just when you when there's someone else sitting right next to you, or when you're screen sharing someone, you don't do that. So you're c- constantly focused on it the whole time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Which is why I don't like to drive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So is it typically a a driver and a navigator or what's the other person doing while you're driving?
1: I think it depends on the other person. Like for a senior dev and myself, it's not that they're necessarily navigating, but they're watching me as I work through an issue and they're like, oh, uh, what about this? Or should we create this... DB context instantiation outside of this context, or should we keep it isolated to this, right? It's more, I think, depending on the level of development you're working with, the higher they go, the more nuanced it is. And it may not be where they're telling you what to write or saying, oh, we need to create this class and do this method. It's more one of you is writing the code and the other one's providing input. Are saying, hey, we can refactor this, or hey, this might be cleaner, or hey, what if we did it this way? Right. Whereas if you have a junior developer driving, then you probably are navigating, right? You're saying, okay, let's go create this class and let's name this class so and so. And hey, we're gonna use this interface for this class. Oh, we need to go create the interface. Okay, well here's what an interface is and here's what we're gonna need to do, right? That kind of stuff. Do you guys see the same thing or Or work the same way when it comes to pair programming?
0: I've not really done any actual classic pair programming project that I'm working on right now. We've been remote for a year and a half now. So we tend to do kind of like mob programming. So it'll be, you know, sometimes there's four or five of us in there watching one person code and and, uh, making suggestions. But I I think one of the advantages of, of being remote is you just kind of have that over to the side. So you could be working on your own little code that you've got to be working on, while you're kind of keeping that eye on the other person and and making suggestions here and there. So you're you're kind of getting a little more productivity out of it, as well as the benefit of, per, of pair programming. So that's worked well for me. Okay,
1: yeah, I um, and I've run into this before, and I think I think we've actually talked about this on one of our episodes. That if I'm listening to someone else and I'm writing my own code. My wires get crossed. <laughs> and because I need to be able to focus on one or the other. Right. So I don't know how well that would work for me, but that's, it's an interesting concept. I think if you can make that work, then yeah, that can definitely be beneficial.
0: Yeah. yeah we're all working on the same project. So you kind of have the same little mindset, but just little piece, different pieces and things like that. So it's kind of a, a good way to make sure that you're still saying, staying coordinated so that uh, when you have to join the pieces together, they all fit. Cool.
1: What about you, Why?
3: Yeah, I've done that whole mob programming thing before, but usually it's a necessity thing. Um, usually we just have like, like usually someone's run into a problem and then there's just people, all different, I guess, areas of the code that you know they've got expertise in. We're just having this massive debugging session. To be honest, I'm not sure if that's the most efficient way of doing it. It just might be... Just the fact that we we had to work through it, but I think I think the one one project I was working on, it was one of those projects where there was a lot of infrastructure stuff as well, like on Azure and things like that, and and we just needed everyone everyone there kind of thing um, because we didn't really know how to actually, uh, not one person knew everything about all the infrastructure that was there. So I mean, we had, remember having like three or four hour sessions where there was like three or four of us just literally, mm. and one one person typing and we're just telling him to add this there, add this here kind of thing. So. But yeah, like um, I think one thing I find pair programming that's really useful is I always get tips on how to actually operate the IDE better. Like just mm. stuff like sometimes you think you you know there's obviously more than one way to perform any command. So just even like knowing what shortcut keys that they're using or what you know, new new method that they do to do a certain task that can that can make you more efficient. You know, so.
1: Well, uh, I want to say one thing about the mob programming and then I want to talk what you guys. Yep. But you guys reminded me, I have actually done mob programming before, but it's only been for like fires, like where stuff is broken in production. Yeah. And so you kind of, you block it out of your mind until you're forced to think about it again. <laughs> Cause it wasn't a personal <laughs> experience. So I have done mob programming in, in that way. And you know and and for me for for that it works right because you've got several people just like well what if you tried this what if you tried this what if you tried this as far as learning stuff i find you could get on a call or share a screen with another senior developer and no two developers debug the same way yeah I know. which which is cool right because some people use a lot of breakpoints. Some people actually have the the if breakpoints, right? They use the expression stuff. Some people will run the cursor and skip the next statement and just jump around the code like they're some ninja, right? <laughs> so
3: <laughs>
1: it's it's interesting to see the different ways people approach working through a problem, right?
3: Yeah, actually, I will say that if you do pair programming with someone who doesn't maybe operate the, the IDEA's as efficiently as you do it's like watching someone play bad tetris or something you know like yeah i I bet
1: i bet i would be that bad treacherous person for ui because although i'm big on keyboard shortcuts and for like windows i do all kinds when my visual studio i prefer to click the continue button and the buttons for step in and step over instead of using the keyboard shortcuts
3: really you don't use f10 f11 (laughs) (laughs) why
1: I don't know. Maybe it's a visual thing. I've I've actually (laughs) been thinking about it, right? Because I realize I do this in these pair programming. I am sure my coworkers are like, "What the heck is he doing?" But (laughs) maybe it's just a a visual thing for me. But yeah, that's that's typically how I debug through something is using the buttons.
3: (laughs) I know a lot of people if they're they're working on their laptop, they might not use the debug one because, like, not all the laptops have the dedicated like F ten F F eleven. Sometimes right. it's just like a volume thing. so right. yeah. But that's probably what they're thinking. <laughs> You're on a laptop. Like, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I am on a laptop that we're moded into, so I'm not actually using the laptop. But my mm. keyboard has this switch where you have the Windows function keys versus F10, and I always have it switched the wrong way. So if I go to do F10, I'm actually muting the volume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that actually leads into another subject that comes with pair programming, at least for me, and that's imposter syndrome, right? Especially if you're driving like the fact that I thought about that I use to continue and step into and step over buttons, right? Normally, I wouldn't think about it because it's just the way that, that I step through something, I debug. But then you're working with someone else and you're like, I wonder how the way that I work is seen by them, right? And, or the way that you choose to, like I said, do a certain method or something it's kind of a lot like pr requests except <laughs> with pr requests sometimes people aren't comfortable calling things out but when you're pair programming it's, it's very easy to just say hey why are you doing it that way or hey why don't you try this way and you're like okay sure yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think it, there is a bit of pressure i think when you're driving i think because <laughs> you know like, like you don't like you don't want to be the inefficient dude who's, you know, using the, you know, typing slowly, I guess. And, but then you, you also, you know, all your, all your methods are kind of out on display, I guess. So. <laughs> right. What about you, Sean?
0: I, I think it really helps to have a good relationship with the person that you're, that you're mm. pairing up with. You know, if, mm. if it's good to have kind of a little bit of a devil advocate between yourself or one of you, but you also have to, you know, as long as you have a positive attitude and, and working well together. Yeah. I think that's great. If, if you're always, you know, button heads and things like that, then, uh, yeah, that's probably not a good uh, thing to be pairing up together.
1: Mm, that makes mm. sense. And I think part of it for me, too, might be my new role. And so in this role, right, not that everyone else mm-hmm. expects me to know everything, but it's like, dude, in your position, you should know everything, you know, two weeks in. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is not realistic, right? And it's interesting, right? We have we have like a hundred apps. It's it's stupid number of apps, honestly. And half of them don't even work. <laughs> but but there's been a lot of turnover at the company I'm working for in the past two or three years. So most of the original authors are gone, right? And so you have one or two developers who really dig into this app or this code base and they've become the new subject matter experts, right? And so you're working through something. And you have to bring one of them on to do some pair programming to figure out an issue, right? And so you should be comfortable being like, okay, I don't understand how this works. And you're the subject matter expert. Can you show me? But at the same time, you're like, well, here, let me show you what I already know and where I'm at. And you can tell me what I'm missing, right? It's like part of this is being comfortable not knowing or knowing what you don't know or not knowing what you don't know. Right. <laughs> so yeah. when there's
0: when there's a junior and a senior together, is it yeah. better to have the junior drive or the senior drive?
1: Junior. And my reasoning in that is uh, motor memory, and them actually having to do the typing and actually have to be in the ID, uh, right-clicking on things to look at properties or to add a new class. Right. I felt like it. They they learn better by doing. And as long as they're not just rote listening to what you're telling them to do and they actually have some agency, they'll learn it better
2: than if you, if they're just watching you do it yourself, right? Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software And what makes it so unique is that it not only tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it, right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit RayGun.com to resolve issues faster and deliver flawless digital experiences for your users. That's RayGun.com to get started on your free 14-day trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month.
0: Do you find that the juniors then kind of have, I don't know, that's a lot of pressure, I think, on a junior to do it that way. Put them there. and It's it's like having your boss, you know, looking over your shoulder
1: and trying to
0: figure things out.
1: I also think it depends on the approach of the senior for instance, the juniors that I'm mentoring, they've basically been given some fairly straightforward CRUD apps that it is their job to go in and find bugs and fix. And I'm there to support them in this endeavor. So they're going to need to be driving because they're the ones who are going to be fixing the issues. But I also come into this from the standpoint of, hey, I don't know everything and I'm just here to help and make mistakes because that's what developers do. And... We've got, like I said, we've got some smart juniors, but they also realize they're juniors. They're not juniors who think, oh, I'm ready to be a senior dev. And so I think between the two of us, we're coming at it from a a meeting in the middle, right? And we're coming up from a good place. And so I I basically up front tell them, hey, you know, there are going to be things in here we're going to have to figure out together. Because I don't even know how to do this and we'll dig into it and we'll figure it out, right? I think the higher you go as a developer, the harder that can be internally, right? Or maybe it's it depends on your perspective. In some ways, it gets easier. In other ways, it gets harder. Right. But I do feel like that motor memory and that actually doing it yourself helps in the learning process. If the junior can do it and they're comfortable and you have, like you said, you have a
3: good relationship. Yeah. I think it goes back to that whole thing about how if you're the one driving, it's a lot more exhausting because it is. You actually, if you're not driving and you want to be learning, like it's, it's just a lot. I think it's a lot harder. So it is better for the junior to do it because they'll, you know, you, it's, I think it's like everything. Um, if you're, if you're actually actually the one that's that's actually doing it, you can you can learn a lot quicker. So, but I think having said that though, sometimes like for me if the. The best part about pair programming is sometimes is just the fact that it gives me an opportunity to actually have to explain myself to someone, and that actually refines my understanding of the, of the code as well. I think Um so. I mean, sometimes I, I wouldn't even say it's pair programming, but sometimes I, I've got a PM who's kind of semi-technical, I guess, in one of my projects, and sometimes I'll just be, I'll just run him through the problem that I'm having kind of thing, and sometimes halfway through, I'll be like, oh wait actually i okay. haven't tried this particular thing and that actually helps you know he probably doesn't know what i'm going about like um <laughs> he's just an ear to listen to kind of thing so yeah, that happens all the time
1: to me mm. uh especially when i'm driving we'll be like hey so here's what i've run into and i'm doing this this and this i'm like oh you know what i missed and they're like oh yeah that will make a difference and you do it it yep. fixes it and you're like okay thanks we're good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that makes a huge difference. So so how do you guys feel, right? I know one of the ideas behind pair programming is efficiency, right? By by taking a complex issue or problem or whatever and putting two people on it, you're actually going to get further faster with two than you would one. Do you agree with that or do you think it depends on the circumstances?
0: Well, like everything in programming, it always depends, but... Uh... Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's tough you know there are trade offs there mm-hmm. so i think in the long run i think you probably can end up with, with a better product and you probably end up with better developers because mm-hmm. yeah. are, you know they are learning from each other you know even somebody that's been programming for a long time doesn't know everything so you can learn things from from other developers no matter who they are
3: yeah for me i think it's probably I think pair programming is useful and it and it can make your team you know, better, like um Sean said. And um you know, you may come up with a better solution, but I think it has to be to be honest, it has to be targeted. It can't just be like you, you just pair program the whole time. Um you've got to pick the right problems. And generally the problems that I think leans itself to, to pair programming are the, the ones that require this design decisions and this decision the decision making basically, like, and or at least coming up with some sort of a pattern that works. And but once you have that, you're probably more efficient just just going through and and having each developer do their own work uh, separately, and then doing a code review afterwards or whatever. But because it, it does take, like, you putting two developers on a on, on a single problem, you know, hopefully you can you, know, you can you can solve it better. But that's twice as many resources. So
1: yeah, and I can see with. Some of that, it can be caught in code review or going over pull requests. And I guess it depends on how far down the rabbit hole they've gone, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things that can be difficult to to balance or to find the right balance. I do agree why, that you're not going to be able to pair program eight hours a day for six months on a project. <laughs> that ain't going to work. So being targeted about it uh, definitely makes Makes sense to me. So,
0: so should you only pair up when you're like stuck with a problem, or there's somebody new and needs to familiarize themselves with the code base, things like that.
1: I don't, I don't know that. I necessarily agree with that. I think that's that's the easiest way to do pair programming. It's like, oh, I'm stuck, or oh, we're we're teaching some new person how to do this, and so that that's an easy. Uh, let's do pair programming. Uh, but I don't think that's that's always has to be the case. And Like you said, Sean, if if you have a new piece of code or a new component or whatever, maybe the requirements are loose or maybe it does require some of those big design decisions like why suggested. Then I think that's, that's a perfect use of pair programming because right. Two heads are better than one and you guys can, can head off any possible long-term issues working together.
3: I think it's really good to do pair programming at the start of a project, I think. Mm. Like I said, it's just coming up with that consistent way of working, getting the design decisions all, all made and all that stuff. And then yeah, once everyone's familiar with the with how our team or how we would interact with the code base, then, then you can, you know, look into doing doing things yourself. So well all that architectural stuff that's really important in the beginning, I think. So mm.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, because the, the code base we're working in did not have that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're spending time pair programming trying to figure it out. And then I'm sure, yeah, we will be spending some time making sure the, the next version of, is architecturally sound. Cause that right, that's that's tough from a development standpoint. You come into an application that maybe two other teams have worked on with differing levels of skill or different opinions on how to do it. And then you have your own preferences and ways of doing things. And trying to mesh all that together and to get it to to work right takes time, and it's not something that the the executives or the management necessarily looks at and realizes, right? So
0: I just found an, an article by uh, Martin Fowler on paired programming, and so it uh, covers a lot of things that we've discussed and a little bit more. It kind of goes through, you know, the the styles, you know, driver navigator things like that. It talks about uh, time management. So, you know, mm-hmm. setting a certain time, maybe using the Pomodoro technique of when to switch or, or when to limit how much time you're going to actually pairing and things like that. So then uh, talked about a lot of the challenges. And then I also talked about you know, the physical setup, you know, if you're there in person, versus mm-hmm. partners, there are lot of different elements of uh, pro- pair programming yeah, that this article covers. So if you do want to you know, kind of get a more in-depth view, check out Martin. Scholars post on this. Very cool.
1: Good find, Sean. Thank you. Yep. Because right. you can always pair program better. Well, you could always program better. Well, you, you could always just be better. <laughs> well, I could at least. <laughs> and Sean's like,
0: "Yes, Caleb. Yes, you can." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying yes to myself. Yeah, there's. Mm. I'm I'm trying in my best. You know, even though I'm getting kind of up there in the years, mm. you know, I'm trying. I don't want to fall behind. I, I want to stay right. current and, and learn everything new and things yep. like that. So, yeah, yeah. If you don't
1: like to... learning new stuff, you don't need to be doing this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Of course, I hear uh, COBOL programmers can charge a lot of money.
1: They can. Yes, yes, right. Yes, they can. So, is there anything else you guys want to ask me about per programming since I'm our guest for today? <laughs> <laughs> well, then, Sean, do you want to move us into PICS or, or why did you have anything? No. I'm good. Okay.
0: Okay. I think that's about all we have for uh, pair programming today. So let's move on to PICS.
2: Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood. And I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera um, I've put together the curriculum and I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io.
0: It's been a while since I've gone first, so I guess I'll go first for this. I finally wore out my office chair that I've had for probably ten plus years. It was an inexpensive chair, you know. I probably spent you know 150 bucks on it. it. was It was nice. It was uh, comfortable and lasted a long time, but it kind of just finally wore down. So I bought a new chair. I bought it from Costco, but it's actually an X chair. And I don't know if you've heard of X chair before. But it's Mm -hmm. a a well-made chair. It's uh, I went spent a little more money on the chair this time, but uh, Costco has some pre-made, you know, packages of the different couple different models that they offer. So if you want an X chair, check out uh, the X chair website, but then also check out to see if maybe what uh, Costco has will will fit your needs. But it's nice. It's it's a mesh chair. It's got this thing called a, a dynamic variable lumbar support basically it's uh, a spring loaded lumbar support so you know, the more you push on it the more it tries to support you and, and things like that uh it's very well made the one thing about being mesh, though is it's a little you know hard mm-hmm. on the bottom so I did get a little thin uh you know memory foam pad to put on it that's about an inch or so thick whatever just to make it a little more comfortable but uh, everything else lots of different adjustments on the chairs uh, on the armrests and things like that you know left right forward back height all those types of thif- different things so and then on the website you can actually get models that have like heated backs and, and, <laughs> and different things and uh do they even have a heating or cooling i'm trying to think of it even has a yeah they have a massage version of it as well that you can add on to your you <laughs> it's pretty cool so check it out uh on, on xchair.com
1: i don't know but i can use that cooling down here especially in the summer <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i i think you can add that to any of their chairs so uh going to the website it lets you kind of customize the chair that, to fit your needs they have lots of different models things like that so
3: so you, you bought it from costco because i wonder if it's the same one that Because I recently bought my wife a a chair as well. Um, And it was from Costco, I'm pretty sure. So I wonder if it's the same one. I don't know what brand it is. So
0: Yeah, they have lots of different chairs. Uh, My old chair that I actually had was from Costco as well. Mm. It wasn't an X chair, but uh, it was comfortable. I'd say it lasted for a while. Did the job. Cool. All right.
1: Gillib what you pick. So my pick, I found an article on Martin Fowler's website about pair programming. <laughs> 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 now my pick is it's called understood or understood.org. And it's a website geared towards people who think and learn differently. I actually found it because it, it has some stuff geared towards people with ADHD. But so this it's it's a well done website and it's got a lot of uh, information on you know how people think differently and how they process things differently and it also has this process where you can pick what you're working with whether it's you know your your child or whatever and it gives you hints and tips and things to do it kind of has this journey piece of it that allows you to 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 take from them exactly what you're looking for and help you work through issues. Uh, I thought it was a really cool really well done website so it's uh, understood that org sounds like it's
3: worth checking out. All right
1: Why would your pick?
3: Uh, so this my pick this week's actually the the printer that I I just recently bought so it's actually I, I thought you know just a printer it's going to be a pretty boring purchase but it's actually been like super useful this printer because we've got the kids basically working homeschooling right now because of the right. lockdown. And the, and you know just just being able to print anything, that's, like you know color print, uh, color like coloring in pages and all that stuff, and mm. all the schoolwork and stuff, but. The printer is really good because it's got this thing where, like, it's got this really cool scanning thing uh, where it, it does this duplex um, scanning. So I'm, I'm, I'm basically just going through all of my finance financial documents and you know just paper bills and all that stuff and just scanning everything into in, into up in the cloud. Then I don't have anything on paper anymore, and it's e- it's easy because you can just put it in and it just kind of it just like it, it just scans everything one by one and it just and it does double pages as well. So yeah, it's just my printer that I bought. So. Is it inkjet or toner? No, this is a this is a laser printer. Yeah, that's that's also yeah. a good because I've, I've bought a couple of ink, inkjet printers before, and if you don't it use flies. it for, a, yeah. yeah, you don't use it for mine. It dries up and all that stuff. So, and I think good. from from what I've seen, like I haven't had to buy a second uh, toner yet, but the toners are actually like they're relatively cheap. So,
0: yeah, awesome, great. Well, yeah. uh, thanks for being a guest today, Caleb. It was nice <laughs> to have
1: you on the show. It, it was good to be here. How would I do? Uh, Was that okay? Could be better.
3: Uh, yeah, seven out of ten. Oh. I think. Mean, no. <laughs> if, if you guys
1: bring me back, I'll work on it next time. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this I, is I, fun. Yeah, always fun. All right. <laughs> All right,
0: guys. If our listeners would like to reach out with and get in touch with the show. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to hear uh, what we can do better, what we can uh, have on as topics, anything like that. Uh, give us a shout out. You can reach me on Twitter. I am at .NET Superhero. Dun, da, da, dun. Why you really got to get with something, yeah. you know?
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just, just going to say, we've never had a guest do that, that thing. So. <laughs> no. Well, you
1: know, there, there's a first for everything. <laughs> and I'm Caleb Wells Coates. And why as,
3: is why as is why right. is nothing? Is not, <laughs> why is why <laughs> <social>. He <doesn't laughs> need a name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: All
0: right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Caleb. Yep. Thanks, Why. Yep. We'll catch everybody else you. on the next episode of AdventuresIn.net. Bye, y'all.
2: Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with cashfly Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more.